Wednesday, July the 1st, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, China's new law for Hong Kong and EU's safe list for travel. First, the world in brief. Britain, the EU and NATO expressed dismay after China's parliament passed a sweeping new national security law for Hong Kong. The law, adopted by the territory's government last night, gives jurisdiction over serious crimes to the government in Beijing and allows its security agencies to operate in Hong Kong. Activists may face extradition to the mainland or life imprisonment. Demosisto, a pro-democracy political party, announced it would disband. Today marks the anniversary of Britain's transfer of sovereignty to China in 1997. While official proceedings celebrated the handover and the new security law, a traditional pro-democracy march was banned for the first time in 17 years. Anthony Fauci, a leading member of the White House's task force on COVID-19, warned that America could see confirmed cases of the virus increase from the current 40,000 to 100,000 a day. He told a Senate hearing that a surge in the South puts the entire country at risk. He was particularly concerned about the four states that account for about half of new infections, Arizona, California, Florida and Texas. The EU's 27 member states agreed on 14 safe countries from which non-essential travel will be permitted, including Australia, Canada and Japan. China will also be included, as long as travellers from the EU are allowed to go to China in return. America, Brazil and Russia, which are suffering big surges of infections, are not on the list. Assessments that Russia covertly offered bounties for killing coalition troops in Afghanistan were bolstered by financial transactions discovered by American intelligence services, according to the New York Times. Donald Trump's former national security advisor, John Bolton, joined Democrats in calling for sanctions against Russia should the allegations turn out to be true. The president has dismissed the plot as a hoax. Boris Johnson presented a new deal worth £5 billion, $6 billion, to support Britain's economy through the pandemic. The money will fund house building and infrastructure projects, but critics accuse the pledge of being too modest. Mr Johnson's announcement was marred by news that Leicester, a city in the East Midlands, would reintroduce strict lockdown measures after cases of COVID-19 there multiplied. Revised data from Britain's Office for National Statistics showed the greatest quarterly fall in the country's GDP since 1979. Output dropped by 2.2% in the first quarter compared with the previous three months, revised down from a previous estimate of a 2% fall. The revision was driven by a decline in household consumption, which dropped by 2.9% in the first quarter. And Royal Dutch Shell, an Anglo-Dutch oil and gas giant, which is Europe's largest company by revenues, announced that it will write down its assets by as much as $22 billion, owing to lower oil prices in the wake of COVID-19. The world's largest fuel retailer said it expects a 40% year-on-year drop in fuel sales in the second quarter because of pandemic-related travel restrictions. And now, here's today's agenda. Delivered. The USMCA trade deal. Today, the North American Free Trade Agreement will get an update. After several torturous years of the Trump administration's threats to withdraw, in America it will be rebranded as the United States-Mexico-Canada Agreement. The Canadian and Mexican names each put their own country first. For some, the update is in fact a downgrade. Car companies are having to reorganise their supply chains to meet its new conditions for tariff-free access into the American market, a task that would be tricky enough without a pandemic and hopes that the deal will soothe North American trade relations may prove naive. 
In a congressional hearing on June 17th, Robert Lighthizer, the United States Trade Representative, promised lawmakers tough enforcement of the agreement's new labour rules. Often, trade deals are a sign that countries want to strengthen their economic and diplomatic ties. This one will be used to test them too. No peaking. California's Consumer Privacy Act. Enforcement begins today for the California Consumer Privacy Act, which from January 1st has restricted businesses' use and especially sale of personal data. Many firms pointing to the pandemic had called for a longer grace period to no avail. The CCPA applies to firms worldwide that provide services in California and meet various conditions, such as having an annual turnover of over $25 million, or handling personal data from at least 50,000 or more people or devices in California. Even so, plenty of firms, especially outside America, have clung to an erroneous belief that they are not subject to the law. Businesses that comply with the European Union's General Data Protection Regulation already cover 60% of CCPA requirements. That may hearten some bosses, but a study for California's Attorney General reckons that initial compliance in that state alone will cost companies an astonishing $55 billion. Fines for breaches will now raise the total bill. Growing distant. Netanyahu's annexation promise. Benjamin Netanyahu has promised his supporters for over a year that once re-elected as Israel's Prime Minister, he would set about annexing parts of the West Bank, occupied by Israel since 1967. Today is the deadline he wrote into the coalition agreement for the new government to start the annexation. Bolstered by the so-called Deal of the Century peace plan presented by President Donald Trump of America in January, Mr Netanyahu envisaged annexing as much as 30% of the West Bank. But as the day drew close, it became clear that the Americans are not that eager to push annexation through immediately over Palestinian objections. There is not even consensus on the issue within the new cabinet. Defence Minister Benny Gantz said that July 1st isn't a sacred date and that the issue wasn't a priority for the million Israelis who have lost their jobs because of COVID-19. China plays party pooper. Hong Kong's birthday. July 1st, the day in 1997 when Hong Kong reverted from British to Chinese sovereignty, is usually marked by both official celebrations and pro-democracy protests. That helps explain why China yesterday pushed through its parliament a new national security law it is imposing on the territory. The law will have profound consequences for Hong Kong's internal politics and international relations. Joshua Wong, a leading activist, announced yesterday that Demosisto, his small pro-democracy party, was disbanding. The law has drawn condemnation from Western countries as a breach of China's promise to honour Hong Kong's autonomy under one country, two systems. America has warned that it will revoke Hong Kong's special trading status. Even before the bill was passed, the police had turned down protesters' applications for their regular demonstration on July 1st on grounds of coronavirus control. Some plan to defy the ban, but whatever happens on the streets, one country, one system creeps ever closer. Rip it up and start again. Germany's EU presidency. Today, Croatia hands over the rotating presidency of the EU Council to Germany. Angela Merkel's plans for the next six months had included brokering a Brexit deal, resolving a gridlock debate on asylum rules, and hosting a grand EU-China summit in Leipzig. But much of this has been upended by COVID-19, including the Leipzig summit, now postponed indefinitely. 
Instead, Germany's attention will be devoted to striking a deal on the EU's budget for 2021 to 2027, which includes a potential €750 billion, Euro, $840 billion recovery fund for countries hardest hit by the pandemic. Germany's role in pushing this through will be crucial, and not only from the perch of the presidency. It was a Franco-German proposal that the EU should issue €500 billion Euro in common debt to fund the recovery that spurred the original plan. Now Paris and Berlin must convince the rest of the club, especially frugals like Austria and the Netherlands, to play along. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Georges Sand, who was born on this day in 1804. Life resembles a novel more often than novels resemble life. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.